From CBC Radio and Public Radio International, this is Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein. Part two of today's show, How I Became So Hostile. The truth really is that of all you these years, I've known you for well over 20 years, you've been hostile. And I don't understand why. As a matter of fact, I don't even think that it's hostility towards me. I just think it's hostility towards maybe the entire universe, actually. I'm not sure why you're so upset with everybody and everything. What have you ever seen me do that was hostile or, or, or angry and aggressive? How about, well, how about those times when you were invited to parties, you don't take your shoes, you don't take your jacket off, you don't take your hat off, and you just stand in the corner drinking all night? That's, that comes off as a bit being kind of, I would say, chilly. Well, that, that, that's what people do at parties, don't no, they? No, they don't. No, they don't. They come, they, they act like a gentleman, they take their coat off, they greet people, they shake hands, they kiss. I'm a retiring sort. You're a retiring sort? Yes. What the hell does that mean? It means that I'm not in your face. I don't, I'm not running around glad-handing everyone. It's not, not, not your, my way. Not in your face. You're in the corner hiding. I, I feel more comfortable alone. That's hostile. That's hostile. Then what the hell are you doing at a public public party with well, friends who have invited you when you were comfortable being alone by standing in the corner? You're like Ted Bundy in the corner. See, why can't you say like the Buddha or other, you know, quiet stoic? Because you so 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 you think my my social reticence. Yeah, you're not a willing participant. And you think it's well, maybe I'm more of an observer. More than, like a Charles Manson. I think there's a, I think there's a there's a deep seated hostility towards towards people, and I'm not sure why you have it. Your friends are inviting you out, and they're trying to share their merriment with you of some sort of accomplishment, or whether it's a party, or whether it's a film, or whether it's a dinner they've made, or something or other. And you're sitting there like a wax sculpture in the corner. This is this is your feeling. Yes. Sincerely, this is what you think. Yes. And frankly, I wish it, I wish it was different. And, and that's why we're having this discussion right now, so that I can reach out to you, so that you feel a sense of care as I tell you these things. Well, I'm not necessarily feeling a sense of care. That's because you're hostile. This is like one of those intervention groups. Yeah. But it's just you. Yes. No one else showed up. Well, I mean, it's a you know we're only two on the phone. I can get others in here if you want. This this is something that you've you've discussed with other people. I'm imagining. I would have to say that I haven't. I would say that I didn't bring it up, but I would say that it's been brought to my attention. Oh, really? Yes. And 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 may I ask the circumstances under which this was brought to your attention? Who? Well, they were brought to my attention because you. They were at the the place where you know you were at with me. Okay. And and what was the what was the general feedback that you, that I garnered? Was the word hostile bandied about? The word hostile was bandied about in the sense of like kind of like a bit of a vigilance and kind of a you know. You were holding back something that, that that seemed kind of violent and angry. That that's a that's a that's a very grand accusation. Well, you know, it's not an accusation. It's an violent as though like I like violent as though I was going to like hold, tip hold the buffet table. Hang over. on a second here. Hold on. That's a heavy word accusation. It's not an accusation. Well, violent. You're not being violent. Put in jail. Nobody's judging you. It was an observation. That's an observation. Just like you said, you know, Evan, you have, a, you have a bad haircut. That's an observation. You weren't accusing me of having a bad haircut. It was just an observation on your part. Is is this what this is all about? What? That, I have Th a bad that haircut? haircut that you had? No, that no, made you no. look like Prince Valiant? No, that, I mean that that was hostile, but that's not what this was about. I, I'm trying to remain open. I'm to trying to understand. Well, I'm trying to understand. And I, and, I, and I thank you for that. I would like to. I'd like to acknowledge that you're 
trying to remain open. Well, but I'd like you. to know See, where... That's, those aren't the actions of a hostile human being. Right now, you're not. But this is like 20 minutes into our discussion. You're finally uh, calming down and loosening up. Um, but, like, does this also happen when you're with your own family, when you have private gatherings and holidays? I don't think so, but now I'm beginning to wonder if maybe you should be present in order to give me feedback. Well, I'd love to be. Like, for instance, at, at Passover, are you, when they're, when they're, when they're uh, asking the, the, the four questions, are you, are you standing in the corner with your park on? We, let's get to the root of this dysfunction to begin with. Let's. Where does this public dysfunction begin? Like, where, what are the origins of this public dysfunction? Well, it must stem from what, what? What does this stem from? You, I don't you think know. you think it, it it stems from an inborn, innate misanthropy? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. That I, that I was born with a chip on my shoulder, yes. hating the world. Yes, the truth is, no matter what you say, no matter what I tell you, you're going to have to get to the bottom of this. You're the person you have to get up with in the morning and go to bed with at night. I don't care. You know, go for psychotherapy, but ultimately, you're going to have to make the decision to figure it out because, quite frankly, there's nothing else that I can say to you. Yes, I love you. Melissa speaking. How can I help you? Uh, Melissa? Yes? Hey, this is Jonathan Goldstein speaking. Hi. Hi. You're working at PS I Love You. That's cool. That that's um that's a that's like a lipstick. It's a lip gloss. Lip gloss company. That's nice. Are things going well? Yeah, yeah, I, re- I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Melissa, um, the the reason I'm calling is I, I just had a quick question for you. Um, okay. I, I'm sort of trying to figure something out for myself right now, and I'm and I'm kind of retracing my footsteps and, mm-hmm. and trying to mm-hmm. sort of chart with honesty uh, people's feelings about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I'm wondering when 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 you were working as my secretary when yeah. I was your boss at yeah. Canada Tech. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, was was I was I an okay boss? No. Yeah, I wasn't a good boss. No. Really? Yes. I mean, I had great fun with uh, everybody else in the office, and we we talked to each other like human beings, and well, that just never really happened with you. I, I find that sort of surprising. Why? It's interesting, sort of, how people perceive you, you know, as, as opposed to how you perceive yourself. I, I, I remember things being sort of fun over at Canada Tech. No. You know, I, I remember being sort of a fun boss. Oh, how do you remember being a fun boss? You know, just sort of joking around, I guess, and... Um, I don't think we ever joked around. As far as laughing, I remember everybody in the office sort of getting along and joking around and laughing together and telling jokes and... You know, we go for drinks on Friday afternoons, but you were just never a part of that. You guys went out for drinks on Friday afternoons? Yeah. I, you, I didn't, no one told me about it. I didn't know that. Well, we just yell it out. We're all going for drinks. I don't know. You were just sort of off in your own world. You know, what you see, M- Melissa, I don't doubt that maybe, you know, maybe I was sort of on the on the quiet side, but I, I don't, I never, you know, I don't think it was a cold quiet i think you know i think quiet could could also be warm i mean it could but it wasn't in your case you're right though it can listen i it's getting it's a it's it's the busy hour of the day here so i should really get back to work and um i just want to say good luck with um your 12 steps or whatever it is i actually thought that you were calling to apologize because you'd entered some program but anyway uh good luck and uh, I hope you get the answers you're looking for. And um, 
Anyway, I, I got to go back back to work. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Melissa. No problem. Okay. Bye. Hello. Uh, Mr. Hirschfeld. Yes. This is Jonathan Goldstein calling. Yes. Um, we, um, I ran into you uh, last Sunday at uh, at the funeral, oh, Frankie Reynolds' funeral. funeral. Yeah. Yes, yes, of course. You were a student of mine, I believe. That's right. You taught me in grade four. You know, since since I ran into you at the funeral, mm-hmm. um, I was trying to place you, and um, I think I do remember you. I remember. I, I seem to remember you sitting towards the back of the class. Um, and, and you always seem to be um, alone, Jonathan. My memory is that you were a very inward-looking, inward-looking young man. This is this is really so helpful, Mr. Hirschfeld. I'm realizing because, in fact, actually, the reason I'm calling you is for that kind of insight. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out. Like, I'm often told, um, and I, rightly or wrongly, I'm told that I'm I'm sort of hostile. And what I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to look backwards to my youth to a time before this kind of hostility would have set in so I could try to sort of retrace my footsteps, you know, through my own past. Okay. Try to figure out the dawning of this whole supposed hostility thing. I think the journey that we all must make sometime. I don't know, Jonathan, if you remember this, but um, I used to do something that um, I used to... Um, when you were a student many, many years ago, uh, one of the things was to learn things by heart. Right, yeah. And um, and so I would have um, students, you know, stand up and recite, you know, the work that they had learned. And one of the things I would do is I would I would take all this colored chalk and I would, I would draw um, a snake on the blackboard. I remember that snake. And, um, and, and if, if you got... If you recited everything properly, then I would give you um, my pointer, and then you could go up to the blackboard and strike that snake. I haven't thought about the snake and the pointer in in ages. I well, I it's crazy. Like I used to go home at night and dream about that pointer. <laughs> it was like it just seemed like the most unattainable, like the the greatest like thing in the world. Right. Well, there were a lot of people who never were able to grab onto that stick. Um, I, but I think with you, you had an opportunity once to strike the snake. Mm-hmm. You had a perfect score, and and um, I presented the pointer to you, and you took it, but you didn't actually go up to the blackboard to strike the snake. Um, you didn't want to do that, and and then you went back silently to your seat. You have a vague memory of that. Now I I. I I remember that because, I mean, even girls would like to take the pointer and strike the snake. And you, after not being able to remember your lessons for, you know, you know, for most of the year, finally, you know, here was your opportunity and, and, and you let it go. I can't imagine why. Right. You had an opportunity and you just let it fall through your hands. I didn't strike the snake. I think there must have been something that just struck me as grandiose and standing in front of the classroom seemed like a scary proposition. But, but I mean, not, not going up to strike the snake isn't uh, the act of a hostile person, right? I mean, it's not, that's not hostility. It's just fear. You know, you may have your theories. You may be right. But 
When you handed me back my pointer, and you looked over my shoulder and looked at that snake, and then you glanced at me, and you turned around and walked back to your seat, I thought, this guy thinks he's too good to strike my snake. You know, Jonathan, listening to you and, and, and you know, you're on your this odyssey about finding out where your source of frustration may have uh, spawned. Perhaps you'll have to look further back in the past than grade four. CRC. Dr. Goldman? Yes. Hi, this is Jonathan Goldstein speaking. Yes. I just finished reading your book, Questioning Circumcision about the long-term effects of such a practice as circumcision. My biggest question for you is like, um, can, can the long-term effects of circumcision result in a lifetime of unexplainable aggression and hostility? Uh, in order to um, survive this, this very intense trauma, uh, a, a person has to, what we call, dissociate from the experience, withdraw from the experience, and separate from the experience psychologically. Uh, in doing that, the emotional changes that can happen certainly could include things like reduced emotional expression. Because in order to, again, uh, keep this uh, repressed feeling in check, so to speak, uh, requires uh, r reducing, you know, one's response, responsiveness and uh, expressiveness. And so this could be one component that, that could contribute to that kind of personality. One of the things that struck me about your book was when you mentioned how babies being circumcised, sometimes in extreme cases, um, at, at a certain point will actually stop crying and, um, and lapse into this kind of, like, silence. Um, that makes everyone feel like, oh, you know, the baby's okay, it's, it's, it, he's quiet. We as adults tend to think that, well, if the baby's crying, the baby's hurting, and if the baby's not crying, the baby isn't hurting. Hmm. When in fact it's, it's the extreme reverse, uh, the baby's feeling overwhelming pain and can't bear it anymore. Yeah. In, 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 in reading that, I couldn't help but actually start to wonder about my own circumcision, about, like, w what that was like, you know, um... Whether I cried or whether I was, you know, struck silent by the whole thing. Do, do, do you think there might be any benefit in actually going back to any of that? Like, like to speak to my parents about what exactly went on at my circumcision? I can understand the, uh, the need to want to do that. And I, I think at, at some point uh, it can be helpful. I, I guess I, I, would, uh, I would say... Don't go into that with very high expectations about what the response is going to be. Like, like, like could it offer an explanation for certain behavioral traits in myself? Uh, I, I would doubt that that uh, parents could uh, respond to that type of question. Uh, it's obviously a very sensitive topic, you know. But if it's handled, uh, you know, with you know proper sensitivity, uh, there can be some uh, some healing that can go on there. Hello? Hi, Mom. Hi, how are you? What's the matter? 
No, no, nothing's the matter. I just, I, I, um, I, do you have a minute to talk? Sure, I do. I wanted to ask you something. What, dear? Um, do, do you remember my, uh, do you remember my breasts at all my circumcision? Yeah. Was there anything irregular or untoward that, that, that happened at my breasts that maybe I was never, that I, that I was never told about? No. What, uh, do, tell me what you remember about it. Do you, I mean, was... It was in our house on Emmons Avenue. Really? Yeah, in Brooklyn. And uh, and and uh, tell me what else you remember about it. I remember the food. We served salmon sandwiches and egg sandwiches. I remember Henrietta came to help Grandma Bookie, and Grandma Bookie didn't like that she made such thin sandwiches. She wanted her to put more filling in. So, yeah. so you remember a lot of details about like the food, but I mean, do you, do you remember anything about the actual circumcision no, itself? No, I wasn't in the room. And uh, and you you don't remember really hearing much of anything. I guess you cried. I don't remember, Johnny. It was a long time ago. I wonder if Dad remembers. Is he at home? Yeah, he's at home. Do you want me to get him? Yeah. Uh, could you ask him to? Uh, to uh, uh, could, maybe he could pick up the extension. Okay. Hold on. I'm gonna get him. Buzz, pick up the phone. Johnny wants to talk to you. Hello. Hey, Dad. I got it. Okay. Here's your father. Yeah. Hi, Johnny. Hey, are you eating something? Yeah, I was just eating some cashew nuts. Well, take it out of your mouth. Please. I did, all right. Can you talk for a minute? Yeah. Hey, you know, I was just asking Mom about my uh, about my circumcision. Yeah. Mom says that she was in the other room, that she doesn't really remember the particulars of, of what exactly went on. Do you, were, were you, were you there with me when it happened? I was right there. And and, uh, and and tell me what you remember of it. Well, first of all, to be quite honest with you, I needed something to insulate myself. How do you mean? I had a little shot of, uh, so, uh, you know, a shot of whiskey. Uh-huh. Because it, it, to me, it was very, very difficult. You know, it's still a, the fact is that it's still a cutting process. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I needed a bolster, you know what I mean? Even in those days, he needed a bolster. Then I needed, really needed a bolster. Yeah, you any know, excuse when for I, when, when the, yeah. Even though it's well meant, when there's yeah. any pain involved for my son, I need I need a little insulation. Yeah, what's your excuse for tonight? So so aside from, you know, having to uh, have had a bolster, do, do you, do, what do you remember actually about the actual, um, the, the, the mechanics of the of the operation itself? Okay, I can remember it. The thing that it reminds me of is like you know when you put, when Wait, you... I don't want to hear this. Can I hang up a little bit? No, no, just stay stay on the phone for now. Okay, but I'm gonna put the phone. You down. know when you I don't trim... want to hear this. I get nervous. Is is it okay if I put the phone well, down? Well, I, I mean, I had to go through it. The least you could do is hear about it. Okay, I'll try my best, but don't be mad at me. I might have to put the phone down. I get very nervous from these things. You know I'm I not put brave. your fingers in your ears. Yeah, I'm not a brave person. I'm going to close well, my Well, I'm not either. You're very brave. I'm not brave. Yes, That's why I needed courage. You're why do you need courage? Crazy, but you're good and brave. Oh. Um, anyway, it's it, you know when you cut this, trim the size of a pie? You put a metal thing around and then so that you, you're, you're, you're cutting around the pie very evenly? Uh-huh. Well, it's the same thing, actually. He puts a frame. I think it's a frame around your penis. You know, with a with a flap, extra flap of meat is right, right. And he cuts around that frame, uh-huh. and so that he gets an a, 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 um, unfaltering, even cut. But it's quick. It's quick, like like slicing a pie. Exactly, same. Same thing as a pie. Right. Uh huh. Except, of course, it's a penis. Right. That's the only difference. 
Yeah. I mean, he just cuts around, and, and there's a little crying on your part, and they, you're bandaged up right away, and you're okay. That's it. Now, hang on a second. So, uh, okay. Now, now, I, now um, do, do you remember anything strange, anything anomalous that happened at my, at my breast? Well, uh, Johnny, I'll tell you the truth. There was. What are you talking about? Be quiet already. You don't know what you're saying. You remember all the nice food what? and the drinks, and everybody was having a good time. What are you talking stupidities? Wait, he didn't even say anything. Let, let him. What, 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 what does he need to say? He's not telling you the right things. What, what were you just about to say? Well, what does he know what he has to say? You know, your father, he doesn't know what he's saying half the time. Tell him about the food, who was there. Remember no, but I don't. No, no, I, want to, I, 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 I don't want to hear about the food. I want to hear, actually, what were you about to say? You were about to say. Oh, what, I was, what I was going to say is the food was very good. There were great party sandwiches. And boy, I'll tell you, for a little guy, Johnny was very, very courageous. It was all together. Uh, everything worked out. That wasn't what you were going to say. Actually, I was. You know. Uh... What does he have to say? You know, your father he has a drink. He had a good time. What does he know? Mom. Yeah. Can you? Can you maybe? Uh, uh, can you just let me talk to Dad, and and maybe you'll put down the phone. You want me to put down the phone? Yeah, put down the phone. Well, so I know just... what that man could say. He could say anything that comes to his mind. L let me just talk to him, okay? What for? You know your father. He plumples. He doesn't know what he's saying. Sometimes he gets mixed up. What do you need him to talk for? Talk to me. I, I'll tell you whatever but you, you don't. Re okay, all right. Let, let us just talk. Put, put, the, put the phone down. You sure, Johnny? Yeah. And I know more details than your father. I know you do. He just likes to talk. I don't like to talk. I give facts. Okay, let, let us... Let, let me decide, okay? Let us just talk, and, uh, and and I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay. Okay, just put the phone down. Okay. Okay. Dad? Yeah, Johnny. So what what what, what were you saying? Well, there was there was, there was one incident that. Uh, what was, what what incident? Mom. What? I, you're on the you're, you didn't put the phone down. Well, what do you want me to do? How could I let him talk? Please, okay? Just put the phone down. All right? All right? Let him talk. We're adults. All right. I, okay? This is... All right? All right. I'll Thank you. Hello? Yeah. So so what do you so what do you remember? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Johnny. To be, can I be honest with you? Yes, absolutely. I was sold a bill of goods. What do you mean? Well, this, this mile was allegedly a friend of the family's or somebody who he the, was part of a network. You're talking about the guy who did the circumcision? Yeah, the male. Yeah. He's the guy that does the circumcision. Okay. And, I, well, I said, okay, all right, so I let this guy come and do what he has to do. After all, they told me he experienced, he'd done it for a long time. Uh-huh. Anyway, the day comes, and this guy walks through the door. I almost faint when I look at him. The man is decrepit. He's wearing glasses that look like Coca-Cola bottles. Well, how old was this guy? Uh, this guy, he must have been his, at least, I'm going to be conservative, in his middle 90s. And his hands were, looked at, like they were a little shaky. You know, I was very nervous. So, so he, he, he was nearsighted and had like palsied hands. Well, yeah. This was the guy that, you, uh, that right. you had enlisted. Looked like he should have been put out to retirement. Okay. And here he is, he's going to cut on my son. Well, when I saw that, and you know, n normally I would have had a shot, okay? Mm -hmm. Even normally, but I look at this guy. After looking at him and what, you know, I needed a really stiff one. So at this point, it's too late for protest. Yeah. So I figured, let me, let me go with the flow and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, hope for the best. Yeah.
So what happened is that he uh, lifted uh, lifted you up, put you in a proper position, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, he got his little uh, pie cutter thing out, uh-huh. put the fitting on, took out the uh, this scalpel, mm-hmm. and he begins to make the incision, and he begins to cut, when suddenly, out of nowhere, this is this is what your mother didn't want me to tell you, is that you you uh, you you peed all over the guy's glasses. That's what uh, your mother didn't want me to tell you about. Well, why didn't you want me to know? Well, your mother, your mother is a very very straight laced person, and mm-hmm. and this was a very solemn ceremony. Yeah. And and as a result of uh, what happened, this incident, she felt that it lost the cer- uh, it lost it, uh, a great deal of dignity. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want me to tell you about it for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, let's face it, peeing in a mild's eyes isn't what you'd call dignified. Mm-hmm. You know something, Johnny? Even then you were a contrary little SOB. There's no such thing as a harmless joke. The voices you heard in part two of Wiretap were Evan Beloff, Melissa Kent, Bert Kovit, Buzz and Dina Goldstein, and Dr. Ronald Goldman, author of the book Questioning Circumcision. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Sarah Gilbert and Carolyn Warren. Production help from Mira Bertwintonic. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap. PRI Public Radio Internet.